Welcome into another episode of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. This is episode 61. I'm Joel Penfield. I'm joined by fellow Cowboys Ride for Free contributor and host of his own podcast, the 1012, covering all the Big 12 teams. Uh, Philip Slavin. Philip, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, there's a couple more college football games still to watch this weekend, so thank you, Labor Day. Yes, I know we're recording on Sunday about 5.45 so that we can watch Miami LSU. We timed that out so that we can hopefully get there and see kickoff there. Um, how was your first weekend of college football watching Saturday, games on all day? Uh, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> Everything about it was fantastic. Oh, it was great. I, my new tradition is that uh, I pull the TV from my office into my garage and uh, just watch football and work on projects. So two years in a row, uh, I've enjoyed uh, sanding something down and watching Texas lose to Maryland. Hey, it's, that's a great way to start your weekend right there. For holiday weekend, too? you got to love it. <laughs> No, yesterday, yesterday my, my roommates and I, we have two TVs in our living room, and there were two games going all day. Uh, it was a short walk from the, uh, from the couch to the fridge to get a beer, and uh, games on all day. It, it was a great time. We, we really enjoyed ourselves, that's for sure. Uh, what is your uh, uh, football beer of choice? Uh, yesterday I had Boulevard Unfiltered, so that was the, uh, the go-to. I think I was able to very get like nice, 12 for 15, nice. so it's a, it, was a, it was a solid choice. Very good, very good. I'm having a... Uh, there are some Oktoberfests already out. It's a little early, but I never say no to an Oktoberfest. Here in Arkansas, there's a brewery called Lost 40. Ugh, it's, they put out a good Oktoberfest. I'm not usually a fan of Oktoberfests or like holiday-style beers, but I may try it a little bit this year just for, uh, just for, just for kicks. Yeah, you, got, you, gotta, you can never go wrong with the Oktoberfest, man. Never. All right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Just, I'll, I'll take your word for it here. All right, I'm moving on. Obviously, Oklahoma State played on Thursday. Beat uh, Missouri State handily 58-17. to Still, some good stuff to take away from this game. It wasn't like the uh, this game was you know closer to the score indicated or anything like that. Uh, so, what was something you took away that was positive, and then conversely, something that you took away that was negative from this one? So, positive. Obviously, last year Oklahoma special teams, Oklahoma State special teams were garbage. I mean, absolutely awful. Um, so, I was really wanting to see some major improvement on Thursday, and I came away feeling like. I saw some improvement. There were some glaring errors, a couple of block in the back penalties, a holding penalty, uh, one that negated a nice return from Dylan Stoner, and that concerns me. But as they didn't give anything up. Um, not one kickoff was returned for like a yard. It was it was a fine performance. I'll be interested to continue to see how this progresses through the season, but my biggest, most positive takeaway from it is we may finally, for the first time since 2014, have somebody who can return kickoffs and somebody who can return punts. Dylan Stoner, like I said, had that had a nice long return to get by some penalties, which was a nice run, and Shuba had a really nice kickoff return. We haven't had a legit return man since Tyreek Hill. I am now eagerly awaiting Chuba returning a kickoff for a touchdown, and if it doesn't happen this season, I may be crestfallen. <laughs> I, it, it was pretty fun to watch. I mean, obviously I saw Chuba back there, and he wasn't on the two deep, so I didn't know what was going to happen, and I had just walked in the stadium in the second quarter after I got off work in the roll call office, and I see him back there, and my fiance thought I was actually losing my mind because I was jumping up and down. I was so excited. And they kicked him the ball, and he ended up running back like 30, 35 yards. And I went, oh, he fast. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, he fast, all right. Yeah, that, uh, going back to, uh, I'm a Royals fan, so seeing uh, Gerard Dyson, he, like, just a speedy outfielder, you always say that's what speed do. 
and uh, that's that's pretty much what Chuba did for this team, and just to see him on the field in general, and he he is as good as advertised. I know it's Missouri State, and I don't care if I'm overreacting. He is as good as Mike Gundy was telling us. So from that, I would say your positive is Chuba. Yes, and just running back depth in general. I uh, obviously we knew Justice Hill was going to do his thing. And 10 carries, buck 22. He had that 92-yard run, fourth longest in school history. L.D. Brown had 10 carries, 115 yards. He had the 77-yard run. J.D. King, who I love him just as a change of pace back. He'll just run people over. Eight carries, 52 yards, short yardage guy. And then Shuba had seven carries for 42 as well. And I'm looking at the stats on ESPN right now. Do you know, do you know how many times Oklahoma State ran the ball in this game? Like 50? 55 times. Now, granted, a lot of that was in the fourth quarter when they were trying to kill the clock and end the game, but 55 times. I don't think think this is something we're going to see every week, but that's still fascinating to see from an Oklahoma State team that normally throws the ball way more than we run it. But it's something you want to see with as talented a backfield and as deep a backfield as Oklahoma State has. Like It it shows that they're going to play to their strengths, and their strength is running backs and an improved offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and they showed, um, I think the offensive line did well too. And they were really kind of running almost like hockey line changes out there and finding combinations that work. And they found, obviously found a few running for over 430 yards. Yeah, I agree. That, the offensive line was definitely a positive. I'll be excited to see it moving forward. But the offensive line also kind of leads me to my negative takeaway, which is, Oklahoma State still has problems in the red zone. Uh, I know they had touchdowns of like five or six drives in a row, but it took Mike Yersich reaching into his bag of tricks to score inside the 10 against Missouri State. How many times did they try and run it up the middle from the four-yard line against an FCS opponent just to gain a yard and lose to and then gain a yard and lose to. Twice they had to go get tricky once with that um, double reverse with uh, McCleskey. They had the other one where he, Cornelius threw his first touchdown to the tight end, whose name I'm not even going to attempt because it would be an embarrassment. Also, uh, major points to you if you put money on Taylor Cornelius' first touchdown pass being to a cowboy back. Yeah, not no, not only a cowboy back, but and I'll say the name for you. Just it's Sione Finafeuiaki. I, I would, yeah. If you guess that, I mean, good for you. <laughs> so, um, man, they've had red zone issues ever since J, uh, J.W. Walsh ran out of eligibility. Like he was the the last weapon they had that could get touchdowns inside the ten. And I'm I'm worried moving forward without a proven. Um, deep pass and big play from the passing game potential. I, I'm really worried that they're going to have a lot of drives where they get down inside the 20, inside the 15, and are settling for field goals against much better defenses than what Missouri State put on the field. It is definitely a concern. I mean, it has been for the last couple of years. So hopefully they can work out the kinks, and maybe a lot of it was just kind of because they were running so many different combinations out there, trying to find something that works. That could have led to some of that, but if we see that in the next couple weeks, I'll definitely be more concerned than I am right now. Right now, I'm not that worried about it, like I said, because they were running different combos out there. We'll see what happens in the next couple weeks. So my takeaway, and this is something we're going to discuss here for a couple minutes, where is Tyron Johnson? Did we kind of build up in in our heads that, you know, just as fans that, 
you know, we saw that it was a you know transfer from LSU, big play receiver, five star recruit out of high school. You know, he was going to come in and just set the world on fire, and really, he didn't last year either. And I was expecting maybe yeah, the, obviously the, his first catch, the Cowboy touchdown against Tulsa, and then he didn't do really anything until the second half of Bedlam when James Washington went down. He had a couple touchdown passes, and I thought maybe that was the game that would elevate him. And then he didn't do anything the rest of the season either. And then he only had two catches for 13 yards against Missouri State. I'm definitely concerned about what he could do moving forward. So I think there's a couple of ways to look at that. Option one is, you know, Gundy raved about Chuba last year before the season, and then we never got to see him. So there was a certain level of excitement built because of what Gundy had to say. And then when we finally got to watch Chuba, he lived up to it. I don't recall Gundy talking up Tyron Johnson the way he talked up Chuba. I know that touchdown play against Tulsa uh, last year was fantastic. It was incredibly athletic. It was, it was awesome. And I think we all got really excited about that, that it kind of fit what we thought he would be. And then, obviously, there were some suspensions, some off-field issues. He you know, missed the pit game. And I have to wonder if our belief that Tyron Johnson is you know, Des Bryant 2.0 is something that we've created in our own minds and not something that not something that, that Gundy or Mike Yersich or someone else has really told us no this guy's going to be awesome because I can't think back to at any point Gundy raving about him again, uh, the way they did with Chuba which is why we all got really excited to see what he was going to do on the field because you know Gundy talking about him. once he gets out into open space you know look out it's over <laughs> yeah so I on the other hand, you know, Cornelius did not throw the deep ball well against Missouri State. Um, they wanted to run the ball a lot, and Tyron feels like a deep threat more than he is a guy you're going to be throwing to over the middle of a lot. So it could have just been this game and the not needing to use him as much and kind of saving him for... Boise State's and TCU's and OU's and games like that when you need to, as opposed to running him out there just to have Cornelius over or under throw him a couple times. Right, no, that's completely understandable. He is definitely more of a deep threat wide receiver. I just obviously, and I even kind of had it built up in my head of what he was going to be able to do because he is such a talent in an offense that is really built around talented wide receivers. So it was, it's interesting to see maybe what's not there or this is who he is. I, I don't know, and we'll see as the season moves on, because he is one of the top targets on the team, or should be at least. So I, I'm interested to see what happens moving forward in the season. There's also the possibility he's just Tyreek Hill 2.0, where Gundy and Yersich will completely underutilize him or use him wrong, and then he'll go out to the NFL and we'll all go, well, where was that guy when he was at OSU? Why wasn't he doing those things for us? Uh, thanks for bringing that up because now I'm, that's all the image that's in my head right now. <laughs> oh, man. On the plus side, I'm pretty sure Chuba Hubbard is about to be this season what Tyreek Hill should have been in 2014. Yes, absolutely. All right, so moving on. For all of our listeners who watched the game on Thursday and your takes on Twitter or your thoughts about quarterback Taylor Cornelius – Involved something to the effect of he sucks, get him off the field, Drew Brown should be the starter, Spencer Sanders, anybody else. Move away from the ledge a little bit. Philip, can you please reason with anybody who feels this opinion? Like, 
If you just want to focus on the second quarter, saying he's terrible, yes. He did a terrible job in the second quarter. He had one interception, had another ball that should have been picked off. But the first quarter, he looked really good. The third quarter, he looked pretty good. Like, the guy hasn't started. This is his first start since his senior year of high school back in, like, 2013. I don't care who you are. You're going to have some kinks and some cobwebs to clear out on your first start in five years. So, from that standpoint, give Guy a little time. Okay? Gundy and Yersich both have raved about him and had a lot of positive things leading up to the season. And for those who are going to say, yeah, well, Gundy picked Alex Cape over Brandon Whedon, I can't argue that. What I can counter that with is, yes, but he didn't have Mike Yersich as an offensive coordinator at the time. In fact, Mike Gundy didn't have an offensive coordinator when he picked Alex Cape over Brandon Whedon. Gundy was the coordinator. Now, Yersich is the quarterback coach and the guy running the offense. So, I've got two guys, Gundy, who has learned from his original mistake, and Mike Yersich, whether you like him or not, if you don't, I don't have time for you. Yersich, who's a smart guy and, and understands quarterbacks, I mean, the guy brought in Mason Rudolph and Spencer Sanders, let's give him a little bit of credit. I have faith that Taylor Cornelius is going to be fine. I also would say that every mistake he made on Thursday is fixable. They're going to take the tape from, from the game. They're going to sit down there, we're going to review it and that we're going to make improvements. Now, if I don't see improvements against South Alabama, fine. Let's get rid of butt bench him, try somebody else. But give the guy an opportunity to show us that he is what Mike and Mike both say he is and can be. Yeah, that's absolutely kind of the opinion I have, too. I try not to overreact too much. I try not to take too much stock in what happened against Missouri State because it was a game, you know, 99.9% you were going to win the game regardless. And... So I knew there was going to be those jitters because first career start or first career start in college, first start since he was 18 years old. There's been a huge gap of time. He hasn't played any meaningful snaps, so there was going to be a little bit of jitters. There was going to be some, you know, some plays that make you scratch your head. But a lot of it is just the fact that he, you know, he hasn't done it in a long time. So I tried not to overreact. And while not overreacting, I, there is cause for concern to me. Just certain things that he's done, you know, making reads and making throws. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm willing, obviously willing to give him another chance because Mike and Mike are willing to give him another chance. So we might as well, you know, just sit back and hope that you know he does better, plays better against uh, against South Alabama, and see where it goes. And if he doesn't, then let's give someone else another chance against a ranked opponent coming into Stillwater too. Then. Yeah, and I'll say this: I think Gundy's smarter than all of us. You know, he looked bad in the second quarter and going into halftime everybody was ready to be done with Cornelius put somebody out there in the second half be it Brown or Sanders whoever and Gunny put Cornelius back out for another quarter and Cornelius rewarded him by playing better leading into the fourth quarter he looked better he was he was making better decisions he looked better so that shows me right there that not only is Gunny have trust in him but he can make improvements he can make improvements on things that he's doing wrong obviously they talked at halftime he came back out and tried to be a better quarterback tried to be more effective and he was so let's give them a week to work on things and see what he looks like next week I also would say Gundy's a genius by not letting Brown or Sanders see the field in a game that they didn't need to and letting Woodty finish it off because I still stand by the fact that the best thing for Oklahoma State is to be able to redshirt both Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders and have them both come back next year. Because while I like 2019 incoming quarterback Brendan Costello, I'm not sh- other than that, 
there's no one behind Brown and Sanders that I'm comfortable with being a backup next season to Spencer Sanders. Yeah, absolutely. Credit where credit's due. You called that on the podcast last week that the Sanders and Brown were not going to play and what team was going to start the fourth quarter, and he did. So uh, well done there. Good, uh, good job to you. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this, or do you think we've uh, we beat a dead horse enough? I mean, I, I think it's an FCS game. It's the first game of the season. There's a lot, lots of games to go, and a lot more we're going to learn next week against South Alabama. So, All right, I completely agree. So the last thing we'll talk about from this game, uniform, white helmet with the full-body P, uh, orange face mask, orange uh, jersey, orange pants. What were your thoughts? Uh, first off, I love the, as it's called, New England Patriot, is it the Patriot P? Yeah, Patriot P. New England Patriot P. Uh, that helmet and that logo is fantastic. They can't use it too much. White, orange, orange isn't something they've done in a while. So it was really, really good to see it. I'm giving it an A. I'm not giving it an A plus, and this is probably unfair because it looks really good. It pops in person and it pops in photographs. Um, something is wrong at Fox Sports. They've got to fix their filters because it looks far more reddish than it actually is on TV. Um, I like a little bit of black in the uniforms, but it was a, a fantastic, I give it an A. It was a fantastic combo. I love that helmet. They cannot wear it enough. Yes, I, I'm with you on that. I, I'll give it an A as well. I really enjoyed the the combination. I like the all orange. A lot of people, you know, don't think it's too much, but when your main color is a extremely neon orange, you, you, why not show it off? I, I'm good with it. I thought it looked awesome. I thought the full body P, the Patriot P, it's one of my favorites when they debuted it last year. I wasn't too sure when they like put out the photo for it last year. But when I saw it on the field, oh, man, it became you know top three for me for sure. So, I, like you said, I can't have enough of that. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the photos, it looked really good. Uh, I was sitting in the Will Call booth board right before kickoff, and I saw it, and I about passed out in my chair. And then I go out into the stadium uh, with beer in my hand, which was also just a great thing. When you get the chance to go to Boone Pickens, great time. Um, yeah, I, I saw that. As an, I, was, I just fell in love with it. It was fantastic. Really, really good stuff. Also, can we just say that the orange face masks are my favorite feature of anything on the uniforms that they have in the entire collection at all? Like, yeah, the, those orange face masks face masks are fantastic. Yeah, it, it was it was really good. I was very very impressed with uh, with that. And I, I even like when they wore the full body Pete in the bowl game with the black face mask. Oh, that looked really good too. That's one I want to see yeah. again. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, you can't you can't overdo Patriot Pete. No, absolutely not. All right, so moving on to the rest of the Big 12, the full slate on Saturday. There were uh, nine other games in the conference. Uh, what were a couple of your takeaways from just the Big 12 as a whole? Well, I mean, first of all, it was a disappointing weekend for the Big 12. It was like, really bad. And honestly, there's no reason that the conference shouldn't have gone 9-1. and one. Instead, what, 7-3 and three with uh, losses by Kansas, Texas, and Texas Tech. Uh, yeah. OU looked impressive. West Virginia looked impressive. Mind you, FAU was overrated and Tennessee is garbage. I think my first takeaway is, and not to brag, but if you listen to my show, the 10-12, I called what happened to Kansas State exactly. I said they're going to they start season slow. They're going to come out. They're going to struggle, but they would win, and that's exactly what happened. So don't overreact to what happened to Kansas State. It's kind of a Kansas State thing where they start season slow. They're breaking in both a new offensive and defensive coordinator. I think they can still win nine games. I still think Oklahoma State loses to them in Manhattan, and I think Kansas State will be fine 
don't overreact to their close win to South Dakota. Also, South Dakota's not a bad SDS team. They went to the playoff last year. They play in the same conference as Missouri State, and people are not kidding. The Missouri Valley Football Conference is the SEC of the FCS. I, it's not a joke. You can say, ha FCS, whatever. It is a nasty conference. Like, they had four playoff teams last year. South Dakota wasn't a bad team. Kansas State starts slow. It was a predictable close win. They won. Don't overreact. All right, yeah, I kind of thought that too. I mean, I'm, I'm watching this, and I was kind of waiting for the comeback. I had a feeling that it would happen, but... Yeah, I'm not going to overreact too much. K-State's still a solid football team. When Bill Snyder's our coach, they're always going to find a way to grind out wins and grind out decent seasons for as long as he's there. So I'm you know, I'm still cautiously optimistic going into that game in a few weeks. Probably about, was that, about a month, month and a half from now? Yeah, see, because it's um, South Alabama, Boise State, Texas Tech, Kansas, um, Iowa State. And then at K-State. And then, and then at K-State. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'm still holding out judgment on that one. Um, my One of my takeaways, uh, does Cliff make it out of the season? I don't think so. I think they legitimately will start 1-5. I just, I whatever their vaunted, you know, everyone was talking about how good their defense was going to be this year, and they looked like Texas Tech. <laughs> like any Texas Tech defense has looked in the last, what, maybe five years? Yeah, you know, as many as as many um, first team All Big Twelve picks as they have on the defense, and Dakota Allen is legit. That guy's going to play in the NFL. He he is a really really good player. But that defense looked it took a step back from last year in that game. And there's a there's a stat that I saw on Twitter. Um, I got a shout out to um, Shahan Jayaraja for this. Um, Ole Miss had a 34 yard touchdown pass. It was the shortest. Touchdown by Ole Miss in that game. 34-yard pass was the shortest touchdown. The Texas Tech secondary is bad. They could not tackle. And in the Big 12, if you can't tackle, you're not going to win games. I, Their schedule is gnarly in the first half of the season. I I think you're right on one and five. I think two and four is the best they can hope for. If you're saying, yeah, their their secondary is that bad, um, I look for maybe that to be the breakout game for Tyron Johnson, backtracking on what I was saying earlier. Um, so that, that'll be interesting. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was, I was expecting it to be a lot closer game. I knew it was going to be a track meet, but I didn't expect it to Ole Miss to dominate in the way that they did in spots. Yeah, I don't. I think that game is going to be like that year that Texas beat Notre Dame, and everyone thought that Texas was back, and yet both teams were kind of bad. I think Ole Miss is going to be a nice team, but they're not as good as they looked against Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech's in trouble. I don't think Cliff survives the season. Yeah, I think after that one, if they go one and five, and even in you know, and if they lose convincingly in five, in a, you know, in the next four of those possible losses. Uh, I don't think he's. I think he's done. Then I don't. I don't even know if he makes it halfway through the year. No, if they're one and five, he's done. But you know, he won't be the first head coach in the Big Twelve to shut the door. Um, Kansas is officially uh, now hiring for a new head coach after David Beatty and the Jayhawks lost to FCS Nickel State. Uh, fun fact: Oklahoma State will play Nickel State. I think it's next year. Yikes! Okay, cool. Good so, to know. So you better look out for them. Uh, they're they're already. Sean, they could be the Big 12 team. 
But seriously, Kansas has more losses to FCS schools than they do wins over FBS teams under David Beatty. So while I was really hoping for him to finally turn the corner this year, maybe win you know three four games, be competitive, uh, he's he's done. Whether he's let go this week or five weeks or the end of the season, um, Kansas is now on the market for a new head coach. It's so bizarre when you lose to more Division two teams in essence than you beat Division one. It's just that that is just mind boggling. Yeah, I don't. Kansas is right now. This stretch is the worst stretch of any FBS program in my lifetime, and I know I'm only 33, but I don't. I don't know of any school who's ever gone through a worse period. Maybe Kansas State back in the like 70s and 80s, but this is bad. At least they beat Texas and gave us a meme that will live on the internet forever. At least they gave us that. Well, okay. (laughs) <laughs> all, the, all the fun facts about Texas losing to Kansas and Maryland twice just tell you why can, no one should ever preseason rank Texas in a top 25 poll until they've had a 9-1 season until they've proven they deserve to be ranked stop ranking them yeah, Robert but- Smith, congratulations you get the Joey Galloway award for dumbest prediction of the season now, which one was worse? Was Joey Galloway's Baylor pick or picking uh, Texas to go to the national going to the national championship? When he had them winning it. Yeah, Baylor's still a worse pick. I, I think I think Baylor is great. I think that is the worst pick, but both are just horrendously awful. Like he was nominated for the Joey Galloway Award, and I thought he was going to win it, and then you go and lose to Maryland again, who's not even going to be a very good team. Uh, yeah, that's that's an awful pick. Now, I'll say this. Maryland and I actually had a decent season because Matt Canada might do a good job and win that job, but, yeah, they had no business. It's the same. Texas had the same problem as had last year. They close losses. They can't finish games. They make mistakes. And Ellinger is not the guy. I didn't see they any improvement from Ellinger. I didn't see any, any improvement from Ellinger at all. It, he forced so many bad decisions like, the last interception at the end of the game, I don't know why he threw that pass. There was a safety behind and then the corner in front. Unless you throw an absolutely perfect jump ball that the receiver maybe will come down with, you, you just throw it out of bounds and find another down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't know. But that was... Yeah, that they'll was, still give it... We'll still have a close game against them or some nonsense. But. Oh, I'm sure that'll happen. Yeah. I mean, it is homecoming, so maybe we, maybe we put it on him a little bit. We can hope. I don't know. We'll find out. This season's going to be weird, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, last thing before we wrap up. What was the best game you watched this weekend overall in college football? Not big. You know, it could be Big 12 or whoever. Uh, it be that Washington-Auburn game, which yeah. is weird because it wasn't a pretty game, but it was a really good game between two good teams. I don't generally I – mean, I'm a Big 12 fan, so I tend to like – more offense than a bunch of field goals, but right. it, it was a really good, close game. It stayed close. Um, I was really hoping Washington would pull it out. Auburn is legit. The Pac-12 is in trouble, uh, but it was a good it was a good game. And I don't even th- think this takes away too much from Washington. I don't think Washington makes the playoff now. I think this really, really hurt their chances, but Jake Browning is a heck of a quarterback, oh, and yes. that, t- that defense is legit, and Jarrett Stidham is a dude. 
and that team, that defense is legit too. It's both yeah. teams were were talented. I was I was impressed either way. It, you know, field goal battle, whatever you want to call it. I was so impressed with the game as a whole. Now that that Auburn defense is good. That defensive line was solid, but the Pac-12 as a whole is in real trouble of not making the playoff for a second straight year. Uh, I don't. Washington could win out and maybe still sneak in. Um, otherwise, it's kind of all on Stanford, and I don't know that they can. I think the Pac-12 is in trouble. Also, with OU looking as impressive as they did against FAU, which, again, is an overreaction to the overreaction of what, of what everyone thought was going to be a com- uh, competitive game, um, OU now at least looks like a potential playoff contender. Um, no one in the Pac-12 does. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think the game that was the most entertaining for me to watch was Penn State Appalachian State. And I think this game proves, even though Penn State won, never schedule Appalachian State in a non-conference game if you have if you don't have to. Don't do it. Because <laughs> 11 years ago yesterday, they beat uh, Michigan, who was number five, in the big house. And then two years ago, they almost beat Tennessee, even though Tennessee was completely overrated, almost beat them at home in overtime, and then they took Penn State and Happy Valley to overtime. Never schedule Appalachian State. Yeah, don't worry. Gunny doesn't like to schedule anybody that's actually good, so we won't have to worry about that. That's fine. Uh, I let let it be. Whatever. I, I don't. As long as I don't see them on the schedule, then I think we'll be okay. All yeah, right. Any, about that. Yeah. Any final thoughts before we wrap up for this one? Uh, keep an eye on site this week. I've got an interview with uh, 2019 quarterback commit, uh, Brendan Costello. I did a nice interview with him uh, last Thursday. That should be up on the site about Tuesday or so, so keep an eye out for that. Alright, and then I'll have the unsung hero of the game from Missouri State up later this week, so check that out. And then not only will we have this podcast out on Monday, we will have another podcast up on Thursday previewing the game against South Alabama, so be on the lookout for that. Um, Philip, where can they find you on Twitter? You can follow me uh, on Twitter. I'll spell it out OKTXARPoke. It's Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, the three places that I've lived. Uh, and of course, Poke. Uh, you can also follow my other show, the 1012 Podcast, at 1012 Podcast, at the number 10, the number 12, the word podcast. It's all Big 12 encompassing. Uh, this week we should have a really good preview of the Kansas State and Mississippi State game. Have a nice week one recap. I've got great guests coming on, so do go check that out. Yes, absolutely go check out Phillip's podcast. I listened to it all this week, uh, walking to class and back. It's awesome. It's really, really good content, really good interviews. Uh, definitely check that out along with this. Uh, Philip does a great job with it. And then you can, yeah, you can fo- listen to me less and listen to other smarter people, so that's actually why it's a, a good podcast. Oh, don't don't uh, undersell yourself here. Um, but you can follow me at JT Penfield and then follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Uh, and we will see everyone on Thursday for the next episode of Cowboys Drive for Free, the podcast. <laughs>